Sarah Schwab is a storyteller and a lover of stories. She told one interviewer her favorite book is John Steinbeck's East of Eden, a novel in which Steinbeck wrestles with questions of good and evil, and that's in a family setting. So we can imagine Sarah's especially drawn to tales of power and depth that take on the human condition. It might not be surprising to learn then that Sarah Schwab has put her talents as a writer and director in the service of bringing a painful story of a family facing the crushing loss of a beloved son to a drug overdose to the screen. The award-winning movie is titled Life After You, based on a book of that title by Linda Lederman, telling the story of her family's loss. And it will be shown this weekend, Friday and Saturday, at the Pocono Cinema and Cultural Center in East Stroudsburg. Brian Long is a film producer and an OB-winning theater producer, and he and Sarah established Cardinal Flicks, an independent film production company, to tell compelling stories. We had a chance to speak with them by phone about Life After You and the founding of Cardinal Flicks. Theater has, over the last 24 months or so, become much more difficult to do because of of restrictions that you have in terms of uh, COVID and people's willingness to go out to a live space. So in a lot of ways, we have not been really able to do much theater in the last two years. So, you know, we had already, we had already been shifting into film in around 2018, 2019, and uh, Life After You was our, you know, Sarah and I's first film together uh, in terms of a feature film. And we got that shot just before the COVID thing hit. And we did have some things that we were going to do theatrically in terms of live theater. But that's, you know, as soon as we finished shooting the film, the COVID outbreak happened and it's just made it more challenging. But we found we can still make films during that time. And, you know, when you make a film and you get it out in the world, there is certainly a theatrical release that happens. So, you know, that's also a little challenged in getting people to the movie theaters. But there's this whole other life that live theater does not have, which is, you know, pay-per-view and streaming and things along those lines. So people can actually enjoy the entertainment from the comforts of their home as opposed to going out into a live space. So ultimately, our balance has shifted a lot more toward film, but we certainly uh, continue to have the interest to, to do live theater. Sarah, you tell a wonderful story on the website about how you came to name your film enterprise Cardinal Flicks. Tell us that story. You know, Brian and I both split our time between the Pocono Mountains and New York City. And when we're out in the Poconos in the country, just surrounded by woods and nature and animals and all quiet solitude. Uh, And there is a bird feeder outside of my, my one window. And it just so happens that there have been a lot of cardinals uh, that have been coming to it. And when I first put the bird feeder out there, there was this pregnant female cardinal, which they're brown with these brilliant orange beaks. And there was this, uh, this red cardinal, which was the male. And you could just tell that they were partners. And they were sitting together on the bird feeder one day. And the male was finding, like, the best pieces of bird seed to give to his female partner. And she was taking it, and he was just helping her. And a few months went by, and after that, uh, I could tell that the female was no longer pregnant. The two of them were up there again. 
and she was like finding pieces for him to eat and they were just kind of nurturing each other and nourishing each other and throughout the years there have been many 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 more cardinals that have been visiting the bird the bird feeder and they've been young and i'm i'm guessing that it's the offspring of these two original cardinals and i just loved the i loved that they were helping one another that they were feeding one another, and from that has come their offspring, and that was very, very moving to me, and that's, to me, what Brian and I do for one another through our storytelling, whether that's through the theater or through film. It's through creating stories and helping each other, help nourish each other so that we can create something bigger than our individual selves, but create something bigger in terms of community and story. And so I just really loved I loved that connection of seeing the Cardinals, and that's basically how we came to terms with uh, naming our film production company Cardinal Flicks was through that story and that imagery. And is this an enterprise that is for the films that you two choose to produce, or is it something that you're willing to open and consider taking a look at what other filmmakers have to offer as well? You know, it's originally started for sure to do the work that uh, Sarah predominantly writes and ultimately directs in terms of the films. But that's really just kind of this phase one of Cardinal Flicks. We look at Cardinal Flicks as a much longer term venture. So, you know, for these first three, four, five films, it'll probably be centric around Sarah writing and directing. But as the production company continues to make more relationships in the distribution world and with, uh, you know, investors and so forth, we are absolutely expecting to open this up beyond just the work that Sarah has written and wants to direct. You know, that's probably a few years out, but it is part of our plan. Yeah, and there are several stories in our pipeline that we've already been communicating with other writers, uh, other directors that fit into the space of storytelling that Brian and I are interested in producing. And whether or not, you know, I have a hand in co-writing or co-directing, which is part of the process, we really just want to tell good, truthful story that impacts people, and that's really our overall mission. You could select so many projects. How did you come across the book, and how did it resonate in such a way that you said, yes, I can write this, and Brian, yes, we can do this? This project came to me in around 2016 through Florencia Lozano, who ultimately is the uh, co-writer and lead actor in the, uh, in the film. She was a good friend of mine from the New York theater scene. I had produced one of her plays, and she had uh, been cast in a number of other productions that we did there. And uh, the person who wrote the book and the publisher who published the book were interested in entertaining the idea of, of turning it into a film, but they had no uh, experience in that, in that industry. But Charlene, who was the book publisher, was a, a, an enormous fan of Florencia as an actor, and interviewed her a number of times and had seen her in a number of Broadway and off-Broadway productions. And she went to Florencia to see if she might be interested in this kind of story and and play the role of Linda. And Florencia was interested, and uh, she came to me and said, I've been approached about a film that, uh, you know, there's no producers really involved. It's just a book, the author of the book and the publisher. So she turned it over to me and had expressed her interest in it being something that we try to develop. So at that point, I got involved, and we did like the idea of, of the story, uh, not just because we thought it would make a great film, but we thought it could have an impact, uh, which is important to us. 
So for several years, we were working on a script with Florencia and a, a director who ultimately did not see eye to eye on some things with Florencia in terms of the script. So after two years, that director moved on and we introduced Sarah to the equation. And that was in August of 2018, which was about 18 months before we actually shot the film. So Sarah, I'll pass to you on, on what happened since that. Yes, I've known Florencia Lozano for probably about eight years now, and she's such a tremendous artist in all the ways as an actress, as a writer. Uh, I believe she's done some directing as well. And when we came together to talk about the story, so the, the film Life After You that we created is based off of a book called Life After You, What Your Death from Drugs Leaves Behind, which is written by Linda Latterman. And Linda wrote the book in 2014, uh, a few months after finding her 19-year-old son, Danny, dead in his bedroom after an overdose of heroin that was laced with fentanyl. And she was so upset and angry and just had no idea that her son was even using drugs that she wrote this book as a warning, and she wanted to get it out to as many people as possible, um, just to be like, you know, if this can happen to me and my family, I had a great relationship with my son, and it still happened to me. So Florencia and I took the book, and we spoke with the Latterman family for a long time, just talking about all of the experiences that they went through, and we decided to really show, show the grief and the loss of loved ones after someone passes on. And that felt very unique to the subject matter of, you know, opiate overdoses and addiction because stories of the past tend to really focus on the trials and tribulations of the addicts themselves, whereas we wanted to focus on what happens after, you know, the addict decides to, to use and, and dies and what happens to the family. And so the focus on that was something we both really could connect with on a personal level and through the family. And it just, it, it became a really fantastic working environment where we spoke a lot. The two of us wrote the script, I think, in like two or three months after I came on board. We worked with our production team to make sure everybody was on the same page. Um, I believe we shared it with the Lattermans themselves to make sure that they were comfortable with the material. And after that, things just really started to take off, right, Brian? Yeah, I mean, once the script was finalized, uh, I guess it was probably more like five months, I think, Sarah, when we ultimately got involved and the script was done. But that was uh, April of 2019. And from that point where the script was great, it took us less than a year to raise the money, crew it up, cast it up, find the locations and get everything done and, and ultimately shoot it. Uh, I think we saw our first shoot date in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, which was where we shot the film. It was like January 4th. So once we got the script, it moved incredibly fast. And how do you account for that? Just the fact that you were all fired up by the importance of telling this story? Yeah, I just, I think that Florencia and I spoke the same language in terms of storytelling, and so that was really key. We got, we got the script done very fast, and I had a group of people in terms of the crew that I had worked on a few years prior that I just, I loved working with, and so I, I knew who I wanted to work with in terms of crew. Florence had a very strong idea about who she wanted to work with in terms of actors. 
and that collaboration, I think, is what helped us move the move the process a lot faster. In terms of getting the funding to actually make the project, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people just felt connected to the story, and sadly, we spoke to so many investors and people who donated to the film, and not one person, every single person we spoke to either had a personal connection of someone who they knew that was battling with addiction of some kind or who had lost somebody to addiction. And it just became very clear to us that, you know, this is not, this is, this is a very big problem. And it's not just happening here or in certain communities, but it's happening everywhere across America and it's spreading to other countries as well. So people just felt connected to the story. Once you got the location and you got everyone together and you got what you needed in terms of capturing the story on film and then you went into the editing process, when it was all, when all was said and done, how did you decide to introduce it to the world then? Well, we had a very specific plan for Cardinal Flicks. We have three main goals when we do a film. You know, we want to make a great film. We want to take care of our investors And we want to try to do some socially responsible activities around either the topic of the film or or in the process of shooting in general. So we had made the decision once the film was finished, which was in September of 2020, that we wanted to do an extended film festival circuit because that would allow us to uh, have the film in a festival, team up with a local organization wherever that festival was taking place, that was somehow involved in the addiction crisis, the opioid crisis, whether that was prevention or education or recovery. So we wanted to have a partner in that area. And then after each of the screenings, we could do talkbacks with the audience where we could talk about uh, the film and talk about what's happening in, in, in that crisis space. So it was important for us to want to spend about a year in the festival circuit, and we ended up doing really, really well. We, we were a little short on the number of Talkbacks we were able to do because of several of the festivals did not have in-person festivals. They did them all virtual, or some of them did them virtually just because of the COVID situation. But then we would uh, have our talkbacks through Zoom, so we weren't able to interact face-to-face with people, but uh, somewhat virtually. But once we finished the festival circuit, which was in November, then we had planned to do a theatrical release in the same manner, where we were going to book independent theaters, team up with the local organization, and uh, attend as many of the screens as we could so that we could have talkbacks afterwards. And then we also knew that come, you know, sometime around April, as a matter of fact, our, our official release date for pay-per-view and cable and, and the subscriber services like Netflix and Hulu, that's on April 5th. But we also want to do a theatrical release uh, surrounding that where we could travel from city to city and town to town and actually interact directly with the community. So that's kind of how the, uh, the process works since we finished post. We spent that year doing the festivals, and, uh, and now we're into the theatrical release. I know you're humble, but tell us how the film has been received and acknowledged. Uh, the first festival that we went to was World Fest Houston, and at the, it was a great festival. It was in person, which was fantastic. Florencia, Brian, and myself all went to that festival. And Florencia won Best Lead Actress in a Feature Film, and the film itself won the Special Jury Prize for a first feature. Uh, It was a great kickoff to the festival circuit. 
also Florencia won Best Lead Actress uh, in the Nice International Film Festival. And we also won Best Feature Film at that festival as well, which was so cool. And then we won Best Director at the Madrid International Film Festival. Uh, so that was, that was very exciting, especially just for my first feature. Uh, we were nominated for a bunch of different awards at various festivals as well. Uh, there's so much great, great independent content out there. So we're up, up against a lot, of, a lot of good art. And so any time that you can be nominated or win anything, it's just it's such an honor. So that felt really, that felt really great. Yeah, and the crazy context to all of this is, you know, these festivals that we were approaching are significant festivals, and they're getting anywhere from 4,000 to 6,000 feature films submitted to them. So even just to be accepted means you're, you know, maybe 20 out of 5,000. And then to actually win an award or even be nominated, I mean, the numbers, uh, the, the, I guess the percent chance that you have of having that happen is so low, but... uh the quality of what Sarah and Florence did from a script perspective, the quality of what Sarah and her cast did from a shooting perspective and the great work that we did in the post really came home to, to give us a chance to be seen on that level. So, you know, it's very difficult to even get into a festival and nonetheless win something. So we're really, really proud of, of everything that happened on the circuit. Uh, and now since we've had it out in the theatrical release, what has been really intriguing to me is that if we have the, the film running for more than a couple of days, we will find that we have a number of people, like a high percent, like 20, 25 percent of the people are coming back for a second viewing of the film. We just were in Lebanon this past week, and we had a number of people that had seen the film four times. So, you know, that's good feedback that tells you that you're, you're doing something that is really either interesting or inspiring or moving to people. So we're, we're really proud of, of the reception we've had so far. Grief is such a difficult emotion, and people want to shy away from feeling grief. We do so many things to block feeling those deep feelings. There must have been some sort of delicate balance that you had to achieve to get to a place where you helped people enter into that scary state, but not so overwhelming that we shut down. Well, I think it's interesting that you use the word scary because that's exactly the place that I wanted to go. Uh, it's not a straight drama. There's a bit of a psychological thriller aspect attached to it because anyone who has gone through the loss of a loved one, whether that's through an overdose or whatever, you know, when you, when you feel lost and it comes at you out of nowhere, people grieve differently and we and we go through our own personal hells similarly. And so when we were writing the script, I listened a lot to what Linda and Tito had gone through and I wanted to be as authentic as I possibly could and honor Danny through their experience and their their family's their family's experience. And I also wanted to just show like this this weird space of reality the surreal space of what happens when, when you're grieving and what is happening in the story is, is the main character, Linda Latterman. They find their son passed away pretty early in the screenplay, and she's unable to sleep because every time she goes to sleep, she remembers that moment that she found him. And so she stops sleeping, and because of this, it creates a kind of psychosis in her and she begins to see Danny. 
as she's living her day-to-day life, and she begins to detach from reality in a lot of ways in her family as well. And so that was part of it. I didn't, I didn't want it to be depressing. I wanted it to, to be accurate but move. And a lot of that was the editing. A lot of that was the beautiful, beautiful music that was composed. And it was just the scenes were, you know, it just, it really moved. It's a 90-minute film. And I didn't want to let people steep too long in any one emotion. I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep the pace up. And the last scene was the most important scene for me as a writer and as a director, because that's what people are going to be left with. They're either going to roll their eyes because it's like so hopeful and fake, or they're going to be so depressed and they're going to, you know, they're not going to want to like get out of bed for a week. And neither of those were ideal. So I really took a lot of effort to make the last scene hopeful, but also not lose sight of the fact that when something like this happens to you or you're going through it, you're never going to be the same. And that's really important to always keep your eye on. And through, and through that, that grief and that loss, I think that there is human connection there and there is community and that people don't feel alone that there are others that are going through this or have gone through this. And I, that was really the message I wanted to ring home. Yeah, and just to add to that, it's a great question, Erica. You know, we did spend a lot of time, not just in the script process, but in the shooting and the editing, where, again, you know, you don't want to treat this lightly and hopeful. It's a serious, serious topic. So we didn't want to err on the side of it just being too hopeful, but you don't want to go the other way, as Sarah said, where it's gratuitous or disrespectful or just too dark. So we were very conscious of that in the entire process, and I think we hit that middle space very effectively where the film does move. It it has its moments where it's going to be tough for people, but it's not the whole experience of the film. And we've also noticed as we've had the film out uh, how important community is in this process. You know, healing does occur through community. It's not something you can really do in isolation so even though the film is difficult, uh, and it's not a film that's an escapist film, it's not a film that you've had a long day at work and you just want to come home and kind of veg out in your couch. This is like a, a very interactive film. And we have found that with an audience and, and with the talkbacks especially, it becomes a, a community event where people can tell their stories and, and find support through the community and through the organizations that are involved in this. And we've found that, that people come out the other side uh, feeling better. Uh, on some level, about having seen the film. So all of that was very important to us to deliver a film that it was not just a depressing film. Just in general, as creative individuals that you are, what's something that you might note about engaging with this material and getting through this process that you might have grown as an artist? There's a lot of technical things that I learned through the project and how to be a better artist. I would say that the most rewarding aspect of this particular story for me was how to be a better human being and how to be a more compassionate human being through speaking with the Lattermans. I was terrified to share the locked version of the final film with them because they're trusting us and they're trusting me with telling the story of the worst days of their life. And that is that's that's a really that's a really uh, that's a really scary thing. And I shared it with them, 
and I didn't hear anything back from them that evening. And so I was just, I was like, oh man, oh man. And they were like this wonderful Italian family. So they didn't just watch it by themselves. They watched it with 40 of their closest family members. And I'm like, oh God, (laughs) very scary. But the next day, uh, but the next day, Linda called me and we talked about her experience and she, she was, you know, obviously sad and a, a little, she was moved by the film. But she said, when the moment she said, you did my son justice, you did our family justice by telling this story. I mean, honestly, Erica, it was, it was just, it was one of the most uh, beautiful and profound moments of my life. And I'm like, this is why I'm an artist. This is why I do what I do. And that is to tell authentic story that does move people. And just by showing it in Lebanon this last week, there were so many people that were moved by the film and felt safe and comfortable to share their own personal stories with us, either in a public setting or privately with Brian and me. And that feeling just grew because in these, in these last few years with COVID, isolation has only made this problem worse and loneliness and hopelessness. And when you can take a terrible subject and a sad subject and find, find connections through that, oh, man, it's just, there's, no, there's no better feeling in the whole wide world. I mean, it really is a life-affirming thing. So that's what I took away from the project. Sarah Schwab, playwright and filmmaker, and Brian Long, film producer and OB-winning theater producer, co-founders of Cardinal Flicks, an independent film production company founded to tell compelling stories like their first full-length feature, the award-winning Life After You, based on a book of that title. Life After You will be screened this Friday, February 11th at 7 in the evening, and again Saturday, February 12th, three showings, 1, 4, and 7, at Pocono Cinema and Cultural Center, 88 South Cortland Street, East Stroudsburg, and Sarah and Brian will be on hand for a talk back at each and every screening. And for more information on the web, PoconoCinema.org, PoconoCinema.org, and also the main website for the company, CardinalFlix.com, and Flix is spelled F-L-I-X, CardinalFlix.com. Life After You, an award-winning film, and there will be screenings this weekend of the movie at the Pocono Cinema and Cultural Center, 88 South Cortland Street in East Stroudsburg. And that's Friday, February 11th at 7 in the evening, and three showings on Saturday, February 12th at 1, 4, and 7. And Sarah and Brian will be there for talkbacks after each showing. For more information, PoconoCinema.org and CardinalFlix.com. <laughs> 